Tonight, we are going to look at the Word of God. And what we're going to do here is we are going to look at a parable that Jesus taught. And in fact, the parable we're going to look at tonight is very unique because it is only mentioned in the book of Mark. You won't find this parable in any other gospel account. And the parable that we're going to look at tonight is going to give us some understanding and give us some important application to how we can share our faith as believers with others. I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, I, I, I recognize the struggle of sharing my faith with others. And it's not just a matter of sharing my faith with others. It's the matter of oftentimes uh, we can get in the habit of sharing our faith, but then it seems like nothing's happening. And in those moments, it can feel, you can feel the pressure. On deputation, you can feel the pressure. You know, one of the things that happens on deputation is sometimes churches will give you a questionnaire. And they want to know, like, you know, all this information about you. And then they'll come down to that one important question uh, it, it, to, to many churches. And that is, how many people have you personally led to the Lord? That's a question sometimes, honestly, I struggled with. Because I wasn't necessarily seeing results all the time on deputation when we're moving place to place to place. Really, your opportunity to share the gospel a lot of times uh, is just kind of given a tract or something like that along your way. And you don't really get to talk with many people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, though we praise the Lord. Uh, there were some salvations throughout our deputation journey. It maybe wasn't as much as we wanted it to be. And you get in those moments, you're like, man, everybody's kind of looking at me and judging me. And I'm not seeing enough people saved the way I want to. And how do you, ha how do you handle all that? And I believe this passage here that we're going to look at tonight, this parable that Jesus taught, really gives us an understanding of how we need to view all these things. Not that we shouldn't be looking for salvations, not that we shouldn't be looking to be a witness and challenging people to be saved. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, a, a person can make a judgment on that the way they want. But how, do we, how, do, how, do we, how are we supposed to view this as a believer in Christ? Let's read this parable. We'll pray and then begin to dive in. Mark 4, verses 26 through 29, it says this, and he said, Jesus speaking, so is the kingdom of God. I'm going to move this down a little bit. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, what in the world is that talking about? And tonight we're going to look and observe what Jesus is saying, because he says the kingdom of God is like this. And he gives this parable, and I believe this parable gives us an understanding of how we ought to view uh, uh, being a witness for Christ. Let's pray and dive in. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can just have fun as a family tonight. And Lord, uh, thank you so much for your grace, your love to us. And God, uh, thank you so much that we can have another opportunity today to look at your word tonight and be challenged by it. I know we've probably taken in a lot of different information today through the morning service, through Sunday school hour, um, and now we come to another message tonight. And I pray that we'd be able to take all these things and, and let them be something we meditate on this week and, and seek to know how you would have us apply your word and, and change our mind back to the word of God. And that's once again our prayer tonight. And I pray that you'd give me ability to speak clearly and that you'd guide us 
and give us an understanding of this parable. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, before we begin to dissect this parable tonight, I want you to first observe with me some of the previous verses so that we can better grasp the context of this passage. I read a very, very random parable, if I could say it that way. Uh, we don't really understand fully what's going on here. And so we've got to back up to the beginning of the chapter to understand what Jesus has previously been talking about. If you back up to verse one of the chapter, you find that Jesus is by the seaside, specifically by the Sea of Galilee. As he's by the seaside, the, the scripture tells us that a very large group of people have come to hear him. So large that Jesus gets in a boat in order to distance himself from the crowd and even as some suggest, use the geography he is in to further uh, his, not only further himself from the crowd, but also uh, through the water and uh, acoustics and so forth, uh, portray his voice out so that the multitude could better hear him. As he does this here, we find that Jesus launching out from this, this ship and in this ship speaking to the crowd gives what we commonly know as the parable of the sower. Now, some point after this, we find that Jesus got away from the crowd and spent some time alone with his disciples and his apostles. And we can read much of all this event really from verse one all the way down to verse number 12. It's during this time alone with his disciples after giving this parable that the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, what did the parable of the sowers mean? Now, I'm not going to read all this for sake of time, but it, for those that are not familiar with the parable of the sower, we understand that Jesus gave this parable that there was a sower that went forth to sow. And as he sowed, he cast the seed. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this. You can read the, the, the scriptural account there yourself. Uh, as, he spread, as he cast the seed, the Bible begins to outline, or Jesus began to teach, that this seed fell upon different types of ground. There was stony ground and, and ground where, uh, where, where weeds sprung up. And, and then the scripture also talks about the good ground that, that this seed fell upon, and it produced much fruit. And this parable didn't really make sense as, as if we were to read it, not knowing what the scripture says about it. Uh, we might say, well, what is that all talking about? What is Jesus trying to get uh, to the people. And, and so the disciples come to him after and say, uh, what did you mean by that parable? And he begins to explain to them that the seed or, or, or yes, the seed itself is the word of God. And, and what he's saying is this sower sowed the word of God. And as he did this, the heart of man, we could say, was that ground and how it was received. And for some, they heard the word of God, but the cares of this life, the scripture says, began to choke that word and, and they fell away. But also, as we understand, there, there's four different examples, I believe, of ground that the scripture outlines there. But as it comes to the end, it says, but some of it fell on good ground. The, the people received the message of the word of God and they received it. And the scripture says fruit was born from that. And this message Jesus has given and, and as he teaches them the meaning of the parable and from this illustration, he continues to teach his disciples further. And he begins to go beyond just the parable of the sower to several different aspects here from verses 13 all the way to our text tonight. And as we come into this parable of what we may call tonight, what I would title tonight, the seed growing secretly, I want us to back up once more here and recognize what it says in verse number 11. Mark 4, verse number 11, Jesus, as he's speaking to his disciples, 
says unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus told these men uh, with that passage there, he told them, I'm going to speak to everybody in parables. But you as my disciples, it's given for you to know what this mystery of the kingdom of God is all about. And so based on Jesus saying, I'm going to give you knowledge of what this kingdom of God is all about, in verse 11, we then finally come to the first place that Jesus begins to say and talk about this kingdom. As he does, we read verses 26 and 27 again. It says this, and he said, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. In an attempt to explain the kingdom of God to an earthly-minded group of people, Jesus here looks to describe this kingdom by using the illustration, once again, of a sower and seed. The word sow, as in so is the kingdom of God here, is a word that means in this manner or thus. In other words, what Jesus is starting out by saying here is the kingdom of God is like this. He says it's like a man who casts seed on the ground. Again, we're talking about this sower that's casting the seed on the ground. And he says, once the man has cast the seed, his job at that point is mostly done. Especially in these days, since they didn't have sprinkler systems and, and so forth, that would have made the growth process happen maybe a little bit faster. They had to trust for rain and so forth. And, and, and because of that, at times when the rain wouldn't come, we, we understand in the Bible, there were famines, uh, serious famines that lasted several months. But really at the end of the day, this sower would cast the seed and really he had to trust the Lord to bring the rain and, and, and to grow the harvest. The man who scattered the seed would then go back, as the scripture talks about here, he'd go back to what we could call the normal routine of life. Sleeping and rising, the scripture says. Now, does this mean he's being lazy? No, this is simply speaking about the man is waiting. After some time, that seed the man planted begins to spring, meaning it produces fruit and grows. The sower, as Jesus would say here, doesn't really truly understand how it all happens, but he understands that he must simply scatter the seed and trust that it will grow and wait for the harvest. And this, God says, is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, he further explains in verses 28 through 29, he says this, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. In other words, Jesus continues and says, Upon planting that seed, the sower must let the earth do its job. We understand seeds don't grow if every day we put a seed in the ground, we covered it over with dirt, maybe put a little water on it. What we don't do in that process is every single day, we don't undig the dirt, pick up the seed and say, oh, okay, put it back down, cover it up and do it again. No, we, we have to trust that the seed will grow, that the earth will do its job. And so that's what the sower must do. And we understand as he does this, we see first comes the blade, just that word blade simply just meaning a piece of grass. Then the ear, that part that contains the grain, but the grain's not quite ready to be eaten. We understand in this process it needs to dry out. And then we have this full corn, as Jesus would speak to here in the parable, the complete and ready to harvest corn. Not until this completed process happens will the sower come back to reap. 
He must be patient through the entire process to allow the earth to do its job of growth. As soon as the harvest is ready, Jesus explains the sower immediately. Without hesitation is what it's saying there. Putteth in the sickle. Putteth in meaning to send. And, and it says here that he sends the sickle into the harvest because it's ready. Now, we hear that word sickle and we're like, what in the world does that mean? Well, the word sickle there is speaking to a hook-like knife that used to be used to gather the crops. And so uh, you can go look this up, look up the word sickle. You'll, you'll be able to see even some uh, ancient artifacts that would, would demonstrate what even in Bible times they might have used as this device. But it was really this knife-like device that would have gathered in the harvest. And so as we understand here, when it was time, there was no hesitation. The sower went, he grabbed his harvest. But we notice here there was a lot of patience and trusting by the sower after sowing the seed. But when the harvest was ready, there was nothing preventing his gathering of the crop. Again, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, I've explained all this passage tonight, but we could probably still sit here and be like, Brother Matt, what in the world is Jesus trying to get at? And I don't know how many of us this evening uh, have had any farming experience. I've not had too much of it. My, my grandpa was one that uh, baled hay and cut wood and stuff like that. So uh, he, he was a dairy farmer before, but was retired by the time I was old enough to really understand things and, and comprehend what was going on. Uh, but some of you, maybe you've had a context of growing up in a farm. You know a lot of what maybe Jesus is talking about here, but you're still saying, what's Jesus getting at? What might the interpretation of Jesus' parable be here? What was he trying to convey to them? What can we learn about the kingdom of God today? Well, based on what Jesus already taught his followers back in chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 4, I believe we must first understand and conclude that the seed here, once again, is the word of God. As we follow the context of the scripture, Jesus, starting in verse 1, begins to give this parable of the sower. He says in uh, chapter 4, verse 14, the sower soweth the word. And then as he continues to teach his disciples, we understand that when the disciples ask the meaning of that first parable, he begins to teach them and he begins to teach them several different ways. And through this process, he then comes to this parable and he gives it. And so I believe we must first understand that when we look at this parable tonight, when we think about this sower sowing seed, the parable in its meaning speaks again to someone sowing the word of God. And before we move on from this, uh, let me clarify that when Jesus is talking about the word of God, we must be careful in understanding when he says the word of God, what he's not talking about is simply the word of God in the form of morality or law giving. Specifically here, when we study this matter of the seed going out and sowing the seed, the word of God, it's speaking in modern day vernacular it's speaking to the gospel. It's speaking to the matter of the gospel going out. And this sower is sharing the gospel. As the parable goes, upon spreading the word, the gospel, what I'm going to call the messenger, what we know here is described as the sower, must then be patient and trust in the gospel to do what it would in the hearts of those who receive it. The messenger must trust in the work of God in a person's life through the Holy Spirit to bring that person to full maturity and understanding of the truth. When that time comes, the messenger will immediately be able to reap the fruit or the harvest. 
You see, what God is getting at here is when we liken the kingdom of God to something, is he likens it to the sower that sowed seed and he had to be patient to let the earth do its job. Just the same, we as God's ambassadors, as God's witness, as we go out to share the message of the gospel, we must be willing to share the message and then be patient to let God, through the Holy Spirit, do the work in each individual's life. Again, based on context, this is the interpretation of the parable. A messenger of God is to spread or share God's word, the gospel. Beyond sharing, though, the entire growth process of those who receive God's word is up to God. Besides spreading God's word, all a messenger of God can do is wait patiently for the day of reaping, the day he would receive the fruit for his labor. You see, this teaching here by Jesus really expounds upon the previous parable of the sower. After sharing the gospel, the spiritual growth of an individual has nothing to do with the messenger, other than what we could say is the continual teaching of God's word. Because we understand in another passage, Paul writes, and he says, one waters, one plants, but God gives the increase. And so we understand, uh, we can compare these to recognize that in some ways, uh, when we share the truth of the gospel, I'm, what I'm not saying tonight is we just share it once and then, well, we're done. No, we understand that with the gospel, there is this matter of continually spreading the seed. And sometimes we're not just spreading the seed of the gospel in someone's life. Sometimes we're watering that seed in their life. And may I also say this tonight, it's not so much in this work of sharing the gospel that we need to try to get credit so that we were the ones that gets the fruit. Because when he says one planted, one waters, but God gives the increase, what we recognize there is the ultimate one that produces the fruit is not us. Each one of us is to be faithful to uh, plant that seed and to water that seed. And as we plant and water, plant and water, plant and water, and sometimes it's over and over and over again in someone's life. I've, I've heard different statistics that tell you how many dozens of times sometimes it takes for the average person to hear the gospel before they actually receive it. I don't remember the exact number, but it's dozens and dozens of times usually. And what we understand this is one of us plants, one of us waters, and we're continually to doing this process of sharing the gospel with others. And sometimes it takes quite a while. But what we have to do is we have to trust. In this case, the example is the earth. But what we understand in the gospel sense, it is the work of God in the person's life to allow that seed to grow in their life to where the blindness that they have by Satan himself, the scripture says, would be taken away and they would see the glorious light of the gospel and respond to it. But again, this work it's something we have to trust God to do. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's not about, well, I got to lead that person to Christ. It's simply the fact that God got the glory because someone got saved. Amen. And that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about, well, I'm the one that did it. It should be simply, I'm a planter. I'm a water. Every single one of us is. And that's the goal because God is the one that saves. All growth is the work of God all growth. The kingdom of God is his doing and his work. You see, church, what we can take personally from this parable of Jesus today is that we as God's messengers are not the ones that grow people spiritually. That's not our responsibility. We are simply to teach God's word and he does the work in a person's life. 
That said tonight, understand this. Your pastor, Pastor Surface, is not held responsible for what you do with the preached word of God. And I, I, I feel so bad for so many pastors because they believe that's the case. They believe in some way that they are held responsible for how their congregation responds to the work of God, and that's not what God teaches. The only thing at the end of the day, as far as this message is concerned, when, when someone preaches the word of God and preaches the gospel, that pastor is not held responsible for what you do with the word. He is responsible to make sure that word is delivered properly. The preacher's job is, again, proper teaching of the truth. That being said, as we consider an application tonight, let me say this. May, may we not be Christians so caught up in how people respond to the gospel that we give up or fail to share it. Don't not share the gospel because people are not getting saved. Don't not share the gospel because people are not listening. It's not our job to fret and worry about results. Be faithful to do your job as a sower and trust in God to produce the fruit. You see, God has given us one responsibility in his kingdom work. And that responsibility is to spread God's truth about his coming kingdom to every person we can. Again, the kingdom of God is not something we build. It's a work of God that he allows us to have a small part in. Take away for your own life today that I must simply do my responsibility as a Christian, spread the gospel, and leave the results up to God. Because this is how his kingdom works. Church gospel work isn't about numbers. It's not about how many people we can count that repeated a sinner's prayer. It's about sharing the gospel and letting the Holy Spirit work and produce the real results. I want you to turn over to Mark 16, verse number 15, really quick. Mark 16, verse number 15. All throughout my deputation, if there was one message I had the opportunity to preach, it was this message. Uh, and I'm not going to preach another message, don't worry. I'm not going to do what Pastor Service did somehow at West Coast. But uh, here's the thing. What does this passage say? The Great Commission here. Jesus said, go ye into all the world, that's all the world, everywhere, and preach the gospel to every creature. When you study that word preach, it simply means this, to proclaim as a herald to publish. That herald, I immediately think of the medieval times. I think of the, of the guy on behalf of the king that would declare some royal decree. Greatest example I can think of. Who has Disney Plus? Anybody? All you sinners, Disney. No, just kidding. Uh, let me ask you this. Oh, I'm, I know I'm stepping on all toes tonight, aren't I? Um, let me ask you this. How many of you have watched the live-action Cinderella? That's okay, Brother Sears. That's okay. You've seen it. Okay. Somebody's seen it. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this. Who know, you, you understand Cinderella? How many at least have heard about Cinderella? There's that guy that announced the royal ball, right? He's known as the Herald, all right? He's one sent on behalf of the king. This guy in Cinderella, he goes out and he's got his royal decree or whatever it is. He says, there's a royal ball to be held. Every fair maiden of the land is to come. 
And his responsibility at the end of the day is simply to share that message. My friend, when we see this command here to preach the gospel, what Jesus is commanding here is this. God himself, as the king of all kings, has given us a message, the gospel. He's given it to his people, known as a whole, the church. We are that herald. We are that one given the message of God and we're to take that message, as the scripture says here, into all the world and preach it to every creature. This is the question I have for you and this is why we went here tonight. Is it the herald's job to make sure everybody obeyed the king and the decree that he was to give? Would the king punish the herald if everybody in the town did not obey the message that the king gave the herald? No. The job of the herald was to faithfully proclaim the message. And my friend, as an ambassador of Christ, as one that has been called to take the message of the gospel and proclaim it to all the world, I can 100% certain tell you this. When you stand before God at the day of judgment, and there will be, the scripture says, a judgment for all those that are saved. Not whether we're saved or not, but simply an account of what we've done for the Lord. I can tell you this tonight. You will not be judged by God on how many people that you personally got saved. And that might sound contradictory. But again, at the end of the day, we don't save anybody. What we will give an account to God for is how faithful we shared the message. And that should really stir our hearts more than even we could ever think about how many numbers we get saved. Because the reality is there are so many times myself where I'm not faithful in sharing the message. And that's what I give an account for. Not the results. God gives the results. The Holy Spirit works in, a believer's life, uh, in an unbeliever's life to bring them to repentance and faith in Christ. We simply are to be faithful sowers. As we conclude, I want us to consider three questions tonight. First question is this. Are you a believer in the first place? Have you received the gospel? If you haven't, then I encourage you don't leave here tonight without understanding how you can personally receive Christ as your Savior. Second question is, are you sharing the gospel with others if you're a believer in Christ? Are you sharing the message? But then thirdly, are you letting God produce real fruit that can be slow and require waiting and, and trusting the Lord? Or are you trying to manufacture fruit that isn't real? I just want to say this to parents, because I grew up this way, and, and my parents were great. They're going to watch this live stream later, and, and, and I'm thankful for parents that were willing to always recognize the leading of their child's heart if, if I at all sensed an uneasiness about not being saved or something like that. But I believe if there's something that we can really relate with if you're a parent is the fact that you, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for any length of time, one desire you have is that your children will be saved. And I think something that we can get really 
mixed up with is we have such a desire that our child would be saved that as soon as they make any type of confession, we just pounce on it. Instead of being discerning and trying to figure out, does my child understand, they say that they cited a prayer in Sunday school and then we get them baptized and all this stuff and as they get older, they doubt their faith. But then for even some parents, they look at their child and say, well, don't you remember, Johnny, when you prayed that prayer when you were five? But they don't remember. And my friend, when I was the youth pastor here, there was times where I would meet with people. I don't know how the process works today, but there were some times when I would meet with families and, and, and they would want to join the church and their children wanted to join the church with them. And, and, and I would go through each one and say, well, what's your salvation testimony? To hear it. And, and there were times when I'd come to the children, sometimes teenagers, and as I asked them, what's your salvation testimony, they'd be a little shy at first. And then sometimes even their parent would interject, well, don't you remember, Johnny, when you, when you prayed at five? And then they would go on about what, you know, reciting what their parents had told them. I'm not saying that person's not saved. I'm saying sometimes we get so caught up in wanting fruit that we manufacture it instead of trusting and letting God do the work. As I go to Maui, I will tell you this. My desire is not to come back to you with manufactured fruit. My desire is not to come back to you and say, look at all the hundreds getting saved. Because look at all the prayers I'm getting people to repeat. My desire is to go there and do a real work. That might take time. And I'm willing to let it take months, if years, before we have one convert. Because our heart is to have real fruit. And my prayer that as Ohana Baptist Church, as you seek to be a faithful ambassador, that the goal would be real fruit. And as we see tonight in the parable of the seed growing secretly, God said, my kingdom is like this. It is like someone who sows the seed of the gospel, and he has to let that seed grow. But when it's time, fruit is born. And I know we've got to take that each way, and I'm not saying one bit that you shouldn't challenge someone to receive Christ. We should. But we should also be discerning to recognize when someone's not quite getting it and not just seek to manufacture fruit and let someone pray a prayer so we can say, look, I got someone led to Christ. Because again, that's not the goal. I pray we take this to heart, evaluate our life. If you need to do work with the Lord tonight because you'd say, you know, I've been manufacturing fruit. God wants to forgive you just like I said this morning. He wants you to walk according to his word in the days ahead. And I pray that that would be our heart. Church, let's do our part of sharing the gospel and allow God to bring the results.